Welcome to C-Speak, the language of executives, supported by PNC. I'm Jim Hohen, Regional President of PNC Bank in Central Pennsylvania. Each podcast in this series features local and regional C-level executives talking about relevant and timely business topics. This knowledge-sharing platform provides insights on forward-thinking business approaches that encourage leaders to think differently. We at PNC are proud to support this initiative. Here is your host for C-Speak, Sharon Ryan. Thank you, Jim, and thanks to everyone for joining us for this episode of C-Speak, the language of executives supported by PNC. Our conversation today is with George Fernandez, founder and president of Latino Connection. And we're talking about connecting with and serving the Latino community. Hello, George. Hola, Sharon. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. And thank you, WITF and PNC, for doing this. Thank you for spending time with us. For everyone's benefit, I have to say this, to know you is to love you. For You're sure. You're so sweet. Thank you, Sharon. <laughs> now, George, you're a business owner in our community with clients in Pennsylvania and beyond. And your mission is to help organizations to serve the Spanish-speaking community. So well, you've got a wealth of knowledge to share with us on this. And so are you ready to jump in? Can't wait. Thanks again for having me. All right. So the first thing I was hoping we could do, because the, the Spanish-speaking community is so full. Uh, it's just rich in heritage. I mean, it's so beautiful in its complexity. But as a society, we always want to know, what are the definitions? And how do we define it? So can you start us off with a little bit of a, an explanation of how we should look at the Spanish-speaking community? Absolutely. And Sharon, you know, it's really exciting when you talk about how culturally diverse and how uh, rich the culture is. As time progresses, you know, n- new terms come into play that are more culturally sensitive and t- times are changing, you know, right before our eyes, right? So uh, one of the main questions that we get today is what is the difference between Hispanic versus Latino or what is Latinx, you know, which is that, that new term that kind of arised a few years ago. So if you don't mind, I'd love to start, you know, exactly with that. Go for it. So uh, Hispanic versus Latino. Uh, Hispanic, in my personal opinion, is a government term. Uh, Well, that's true. It's a government term that was created in the 1960s by the U.S. government to put anyone and everyone into a box that speaks Spanish or originating from any uh, Spanish-speaking country. It was mostly created by the presidential administration that year for the U.S. census, and that's where the word Hispanic comes from. The word Latino is uh, more culturally sensitive. I personally preferred to be identified or to be looked at as a Latino young man. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of the of, of the term Hispanic. Uh, there's a quick funny story uh, by one of my mentors and, and dearest friends, uh, Deborah Vereen, uh, who is a DNI consultant here in our region. And uh, she talks about how in the late 1990s, uh, 1987 to be exact, uh, she sat on a panel in New Jersey, and uh, the gentleman next to her was a a, a Hispanic individual, and um, he was asked, you know, why why he didn't like to be labeled or called Hispanic, and he said, I don't like to be called anything with the word panic in it. So I just <laughs> I, I find that to be a funny uh, you know example of why some people don't 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 like the word Hispanic; they prefer Latino or Latina. And then in today's new culture, in today's new world, a few years ago, a new term came to the market, and it's called Latinx. And it's defined by a person of Latin American origin or descent uh, used as a gender-neutral or non-binary alternative to Latino or Latina. 
So it's more inclusive of LGBT community. It's inclusive of those people that don't like, that don't like to be male versus female. They just want to be one thing, right? So Latinx is 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 the new, in my opinion, the new cool term. You know, that just super culturally sensitive uh, to to the world that we're living in today. And then what? So what do we do? I mean, as business leaders, how do we look at this? Like, how can we be culturally sensitive? Yeah, I think the, 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 the most important part is that you want to be culturally sensitive. And I think what's most culturally sensitive, in my opinion, is the word Latino or Latina. But if you are an entity or an organization that, you know, truly carries and supports the LGBT agenda, the pronouns, you see in today's people's emails, they share their pronouns and what's important to them and why that's important to them. The appropriate term that your company and or your entity should should consider using is Latinx. Oh, that's so helpful. Thank you so much for that. And I was reading about the census and there's a there's a great NPR is a great podcast, Code Switch, and it was talking about the census and how there's really we're imposing race on this community. Is that your perception? That is my perception. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think that that as as our culture is changing, as our communities are changing, when you look at the uh, at the most recent census, uh, the Hispanic demographics, Hispanic Latino American demographics in Pennsylvania are growing by leaps and bounds. Now in Pennsylvania, uh, Latinos completed the census with over one million, you know, plus Pennsylvania residents identify as Hispanic and Latino. And in my personal opinion, through through our own community research and and, and thoughts and insights and findings, we believe that roughly about twenty or thirty percent of Latino Americans in Pennsylvania do not complete the census, you know, for whatever purposes, whether the census does not reach them and or perhaps, you know, immigration issues and thoughts as well. Mm -hmm. So and that was going to be my next question is, could you please give us your idea of what the the uh, community, the size of the community in central Pennsylvania yeah, so Latinos now represent over 1 million in Pennsylvania, okay? And uh, when you look at South Central Pennsylvania, whether it's what what uh, other people call the 222 corridor, you know, extends from York and Adams, Franklin County, all the way up through uh, Dauphin, Lancaster, Lebanon, York, and then it goes into like Lehigh Valley area. That 222 corridor, and, and, and that 222 corridor also goes into Berks County. That's extremely important to highlight there. That 222 corridor uh, carries roughly about 40 to 45% of the Latinos that live, learn, work, play in uh, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. The other large percentages really come uh, sporadic from Philadelphia and its sub-counties that surround Philadelphia County, and then furthermore, uh, looking into Erie. But, you know, one of the other great questions that I get very often, Sharon, is why are Latinos moving to Pennsylvania, right? And Pennsylvania is, in my personal opinion, I've been saying it since 2014, since I started Latino Connection, it's a little hidden secret. Great jobs, great places to work, great careers, great schools, and the cost of living in other nearby states and other metro states that Hispanics tend to move to or, 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 or live in, such as Baltimore and Maryland and uh, New York and New Jersey. Every Latino you know knows somebody in New York and New Jersey. But uh, the rent is extremely high for small businesses, right? I mean, we're, we're seeing new businesses move to Pennsylvania that were paying $5,000 of rent for a small corner store or a small hair salon or barbershop. In Pennsylvania, they're paying about 1000 you know. You know, so the, the cost of living is just phenomenal here in Pennsylvania. Great places, good people, good schools. It's a hidden secret. When I think about that and, and the growing population from a, a business leader perspective, how do we, what are the fundamentals for building relationships, positive, profitable, sustainable connections? 
That is such an important question, and I think it's one of the most important questions that that any leadership uh, member of any company in South Central PA should be asking themselves. And I think that it it truly begins with building trust and uh, building that trust. Once you've built that trust with that consumer, then follows having the culturally sensitive, able, ready, and able customer service. With with the Hispanic community, you 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 typically only get one or two chances, okay, um, as it relates to good customer service. Once the once the bad customer service is there, that is one experience that they're going to tell ten other people, and those ten people will tell twenty, twenty will tell thirty, and so forth. But furthermore, the ability to speak to what's important to them, and when I when I think about what's important to them, I think of the things that were important to my mother when she moved here. And my mother would always talk about you know finding finding success towards the American dream. And what is the American dream for most you know Hispanic Latino American? American families, it's having a good job and having, you know, uh, being financially stable and owning a home with the white pickup fence and and the little Honda Toyota parked outside, you know, those are the two brands that reach Latinos most in in the automotive industry. And um, that is the American dream. And that is what, in my personal opinion, Hispanic Latino Americans are, are, are thriving and working so hard to reach. And it's not far off from anyone else's dream, to be honest with you. It's it's uh, and you go to trust. Also, it seems like you said you get one or two chances. Is it about respect? It is respect. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's it's respect, and sometimes it's not even the the words that you choose. It's also your demeanor and how you welcome them. You know, I'll give you a quick, really, uh, really quick story. My mom does not speak English or speaks very little English, but she loves her doctor at UPMC because she feels like her doctor finds the the chance or the terms to hola, cómo está usted, you know, and just takes the to, takes the time to learn one or two terms to kind of you know clear the air up and and. And make it more amicable, and and ultimately make it more welcoming for her. That's great. I think there's a, it's just the little things, really. It's the little it things that matter. Require a huge lift Agreed. to show that respect and build trust. So, when we think about the community from an employer standpoint, if we, I mean, this this is a very large segment of our worker workforce population, and so how can we create a culture that is inclusive or or friendly for the Latino? community? That's a great question, uh, Sharon. And I think the best way to do that is ultimately uh, to talk about the uncomfortable topics that will help our communities progress and move forward. And I think that when we talk about inclusion and, and, and furthermore, we want to talk about equality and equity, at times throughout those conversations, you have to talk about the uncomfortable topics that, that, that lie in the room. Or as my, my teachers in school would call it, addressing the big elephant in the room, which at times are economy and immigration and things like that. And I think it's extremely vital and uh, imperative that employers today have those conversations not only with their employees and furthermore with their stakeholders, but with the at-large community. Because without the at-large community support of who their consumers are, you're not really creating that inclusive environment as a culture, not only for your employees, but also for the people that you are ultimately serving. Right. And I think I'm just going to ask you about that because... When we think about those conversations and the elephant in the room, let's let's spend some time on what the business community can do and what role people in our region can play, business leaders particularly, in the country's ongoing conversation about immigration. That's phenomenal, Sharon. And, you know, I think it, the, the quickest and easiest and most comfortable thing to do um, is to help find local uh, local partnerships in your community and in your region and help to possibly even create what I call support groups. Just a, a place to come together and have conversations and connect to resources, perhaps even hosting a legal clinic 
maybe you know there might be that one employee who doesn't have any immigration troubles or any immigration you know uh, issues to address, but they might have someone that's close to them that may have that concern or that issue. So connecting them to those local resources that are here that most people are not yet aware about is a phenomenal place to start. Many of these resources actually cost at times zero dollars, and people are just not aware of them. So, you know, talking about partnerships and support groups and furthermore legal clinics, but ultimately over the past number of years, we've seen things in our, in our government relating to immigration that we thought we'd never see in America, right? So we're truly uh, stepping on, 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 on new ground. We're stepping on new rocks. And I think that it's extremely imperative and vital for us to have these types of conversations that are uncomfortable, that can help our communities, our friends, neighbors, and family uh, progress and move forward. Well, I think, too, there's so much fear. And um, can you get someone to talk about these topics if they're living in fear? Yeah, I think you can. And it's all about where you have that conversation or how you welcome that conversation. You know, Latinos tend to kind of open up over a kitchen table with food perhaps some limonada, some lemonade, you know, so it's just creating that environment that is welcoming and safe where they, where you, where they can kind of build that trust with you and having those conversations. There are conversations that my mom has fears about having with me. Um, and when I help create that environment, you know, to, to have that conversation where it's just her and I over a kitchen table, you know, breaking bread together. She tends to want to have those uncomfortable conversations. Absolutely. So as businesses, we shouldn't have a lunch and learn and expect people to pour out their guts, right? <laughs> no, it shouldn't be that way. <laughs> and, and you should have that. You can still have a lunch and learn, but where do you have that lunch and learn? Who do you invite to the table to you know, help you have that conversation? Perhaps don't wear a suit. Maybe just wear jeans and a t-shirt. You know, Look like them. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, the people that you are looking to serve should mirror those that are a part of your you know, corporate entity. I want to step back, though, and I want to talk about what's Pittsburgh doing right? Because I know as our region, we often look to the left and the right. Um, but they, uh, Fast Company has them as in the top five in the country for the percentage of the people who are Hispanic who are in leadership. And that's how they refer to it. And so what are they doing and what can we do? What aren't they doing right? I love Pittsburgh, the 412. Um, when I look at the overall landscape of Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh doesn't just have jobs available. They have careers available. And they take the time to uh, invite Hispanic, Latino American talent that want to build a career. Uh, but furthermore, when you look at those careers, they are in the areas of universities and colleges and science and math and technology. And, you know, Pittsburgh is uh, recruiting talent from other Latin American countries. They're advertising in other Latin American countries and recruiting that talent to come here. I think central Pennsylvania could learn a little bit from Pittsburgh and from some other larger metropolitan cities to help create uh, an inclusive and well welcoming community and environment Mm -hmm. of helping to build careers, not just jobs. Right. And I think that when you say create, it's creative. I mean, getting really changed. Nothing changes if nothing changes. And so we really need to be creative and and work for that and And make make it a goal. What's really awesome, you know, some of these top corporate employers in, in Pittsburgh allow people to literally create their own positions, right? Address where the gaps are within their corporate entity. And if the research is there and if the science and the math and the technology that's missing is, is, you know, could be there. Some of these top corporate companies are allowing these individuals to create their own positions, really filling the gap, right? And filling the gaps and holes of where these companies want to move forward to and, 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 and looking beyond 
you know, the one to two year or the five year, you know, strategic plan and really looking beyond where do we want to be as a company five, 10, 15, 20 years from now? That's just brilliant. I just, I think that that's a really great point, George. So thank you so much. So let's touch a little bit on culturally relevant leadership development, because I know that's a topic we both it's, it's, really a very, enjoy. it's a very passionate topic of mine. Yeah. <laughs> but as defined by our friends at Google, culturally relevant leadership is a leadership framework that advocates increased knowledge of diversity, the skills to utilize that knowledge and the ability to make change and bring diversity to life through leadership actions. And it's all about understanding, and you had said this earlier too, Sharon, is um, understanding where, where people's uh, culturally knowledge and sensitive is and where it starts, right? Uh, but furthermore, as I see it, as defined by me, it's your board of directors and your staff need to mirror the people that you are serving in order for that culturally relevant leadership to develop and and to start from there, okay? And I think it's extremely relevant to talk about as the communities change, as uh, as as our communities are changing rapidly, how, how does that also progress at the top level, right? And and bringing those actions from the top all the way down, you know, to that servant leadership model that, you know, we've learned from our friends at Leadership Harrisburg area. But furthermore, I think that if you if if your team members and your board of directors don't look like the people that you are serving, it's going to be much, much harder for you to help build that trust and gain uh, that that market share of that growing uh, Hispanic Latino American population here in central PA. Right. It has to start somewhere. And uh, putting people in the right places seems to be the place to start. And uh, you've certainly give us a great roadmap for doing that. So thank you so much. You're welcome. So two questions that I ask everyone on the show. What book or article do you recommend that business leaders read on this topic? Oh my gosh, so many, so many, so many, so many. Um, some of my favorite um, entities and organizations that I think are leaders in this space, um, I, I encourage you to follow them on social media. One of them is Unidos US. They are formerly known as the National Council of La Raza. They are the leading uh, Hispanic Latino American nonprofit organization that really highlights healthcare and immigration and voting across the entire United States. And it's led by an amazing woman at leadership. Her name is uh, Janet Murgia. So I definitely recommend you follow Unidos US. Another entity is Voto Latino, V-O-T-O, Latino. They are based out of D.C., phenomenal organization that talks about voting and those rights here in, in America. My third favorite is LULAC. It's the League of United Latin American Citizens. I'll say that one more time. LULAC. It's the League of United Latin American Citizens. And last but not least, and, and this goes right back to our question around uh, culturally relevant leadership development, it's ACER, H-A-C-R. And it is the Hispanic Association of Corporate Responsibility. And it's all the really big corporate American entities like the Dells and the McDonald's, you know, who are you know, the, the, the top five, ten corporate companies and what those companies are doing to ultimately have a corporate responsibility in reaching their constituents and reaching their members furthermore. Great, great. That's a great way to connect in to the community, it sounds like. Yeah, and it's also, you know, when I, when I started Latino Connection, uh, Sharon, I, I knew that I needed to leave Pennsylvania to find out what other states were doing to be so successful and bring some of those, you know, thoughts and insights that's going to be my next column, by the way, thoughts and insights, <laughs> um, to, to bring that, those, those points right back to Pennsylvania and, and ultimately help the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania open new eyes and, again, have those uncomfortable conversations that would help our communities progress and move forward. I just want to say those uncomfortable conversations become comfortable. 
Yep. It's not like a lifelong sentence. I mean, you just have to get it started. It's uncomfortable the first time. Yeah. And after that, it's just another conversation that you can have over the kitchen table. That's so useful and helpful. Okay, one more question. Why do you show up for work? It doesn't feel like work to me, Sharon. Honestly, it doesn't. I'm a product of a single mother of three who never qualified for social human services programs because she was an immigrant and didn't have a social security number. So I had to become the adult at a very, very young age and become the interpreter and the translator in the household. And for me, it's truly just led by passion. I'm having so much fun doing what I'm doing. For me, it's to ultimately end the cycle of low-income families living in poverty and not being able to afford and connect to basic services. And as my mother was a victim of domestic violence, you know, and and, and we were immigrants, um, it it was hard. It was hard. We lived in low-income housing, and here we are today. That is the the challenges that my mother and my family and I had to overcome have become the backbone of the reason and the purpose of what we do and how we do it. And furthermore, it's just we're, we're, we're thrilled to connect people and to see people grow and, you know, connect them to that American dream that we talked about earlier. Oh, that is just you're just singing my song. I'm just sitting there going, <laughs> I want to uh, if you were playing a uh, flute, I'd be following you. So I think that's so great. So thanks, George, for coming on the show today. I just always learn a ton and I just have a have a great time talking to you. So thanks for being here. Thank you, Sharon. It's been it's been really helpful. And thank you, our listeners, for joining us for this episode of C-Speak, the language of executives supported by PNC. You can find more episodes of C-Speak by going to witf.org slash C-Speak. Thanks again to our guest, George Fernandez. And until next time, I'm Sharon Ryan. Have a productive day. (laughs) 